5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Getting paid by the hour and older by the minute. My boss just pushed me over the limit. I'd like to call him something. I think I'll just call it a day. Pour me something tall and strong. Make it a hurricane before I go insane. It's only half past twelve, but I don't care. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Ah, yes, indeed it is. Uh, 5 o'clock gets you to the weekend. Patrick Johnson uh, here on the Feel Good Edition. Thanks to Dylan McKay for that uh, nifty slate. Great uh, great slate of guests today. Uh, Steve Wiseman coming up next segment. Uh, the uh, commissioner of the ACC, uh, of course, uh, announced his retirement uh, effective next June. Did so yesterday. Steve has covered the ACC for a good number of years. You know... I, the, the John Swafford thing is interesting to me because, um, you know, certainly the ACC has uh, seen an explosion in its, uh, uh, well, it, its footprint, quite honestly. And I just, you know, I kind of wonder there are those that Swafford comes from that group that long for uh, a more regional sort of ACC. And here we are in these times where, uh, you know, I think even uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference, some of their schools are going to have to to rethink how they move ahead. Now, it helps they're getting forty or fifty million dollars from uh, the TV deal, but uh, I'm not convinced that's going to be a forever thing. And uh, I think we've seen with a lot of these colleges and universities, it's such an arms race that uh, nobody's really putting the money away for a rainy day. Uh, some can't. Some are choosing not to. That could. Nonetheless, uh, I wanted to, to kind of get an idea of uh, the Swafford legacy. I think it's a little more complicated than the uh, the rosy twist that is being put on it by uh, some of our brethren in the ACC sports and triangle sports media. But uh, Steve Wiseman's a pretty straight-up guy, so we'll talk to him about that. Uh, Nikki Novak with some movies for you. If you're a parent, uh, listen up. There's some stuff for the uh, kiddos uh, in that, and that'll uh, be uh, coming our way. Uh, a little bit uh, later on. Uh, some news to start with here, a couple of uh, things of interest, at least to me. Uh, it was uh, into the wee hours of this morning that apparently uh, Dr. Perrin Jones' uh, bill uh, just could not get out of any, get going and going anywhere. Uh, the bill that uh, would have uh, built a brand new Brody School of Medicine, so this is twice now that that has been thwarted. Uh, you can't leave this up to lawmakers and... Uh, there are some lawmakers in our community. Well, first of all, Roy Cooper vetoing it, the governor. Uh, but uh, Don Davis, who represents Pitt County, uh, not getting on board with the the veto when this was originally an opportunity and money was in there. And uh, I fear, as many do, that we might not be able to get money in there for a brand-new Brody School of Medicine, which is badly needed 
in the very near future. That could uh, that could unfortunately be a reality. We had uh, the lieutenant governor uh, yesterday in the Greenville area, uh, and I was going to mention this, but uh, he is apparently on behalf of the Council of State filing suit against the governor. Uh, of course, uh, the mask uh, requirement, said strong suggestion, however you want to phrase it, uh, is in uh, effect right now. It went into effect uh, at the top of uh, the hour here, the start of this show. Uh, we are not wearing it uh, in, in the studio here. You might have a hard time hearing us if we were muffled. Uh, but uh, there will be businesses, which is certainly uh, their right, that will require you to go in and wear a mask. Uh, and there will be people who will now not wear one anywhere they go. Uh, just because it's a requirement by the governor. A lot of law enforcement, particularly uh, uh, at the county level, is saying they will not uh, enforce this. Uh, in fact, uh, Pitt County, Greenville have, have said as much, although all are strongly requiring and suggesting, well, strongly suggesting more appropriately, uh, that one does uh, comply with the governor's uh, request and uh, wear a mask. Uh, so we will see if that uh, is the case. But uh, what, what led to this... You know, we played some cuts the other day when the governor announced this mask deal and uh, what also uh, came with the announcement that we were going to stay in an extended uh, second phase. Uh, this is something that the governor said. I found this quite fascinating. He was asked this question about lawmakers, and I don't know if they were referring to necessarily those on Jones Street in Raleigh or if they were referring to uh, perhaps... Uh, the Council of State, but does this does this foreshadow what uh, is an apparent lawsuit? Uh, this comment the other day, and and the way that the governor kind of snapped back at the reporter. Give it a listen. Lawmakers have said that they don't get a heads up about um, your announcements until listening to these press conferences. Is there a reasoning behind that with um, bringing in the other levels of government and making these decisions? Well, everybody's getting a heads up right now. <laughs> so. Uh, apparently that was the uh, foreshadowing of uh, perhaps the people that uh, are advising the governor and the council of state uh, with the council of state that should be in on some of these decisions uh, uh, moving forward in the in the form of uh, what the lieutenant governor is planning with the lawsuit. Uh, there's also uh, some other legislation that uh, uh, has Republicans kind of calling the Democrats bluff on this. They have passed it. It's onto the governor's desk. That would be a positive thing for our friends in the uh, fitness industry, the gyms, if you will, uh, those that have bars, uh, also those that want to expand outdoor seating in uh, restaurants. So uh, keeping an eye on all of that. More details on uh, sort of the political side of that uh, next week, but also over on uh, our friends Talk of the Town, WTIB, here uh, locally. Of course, uh, the news out of uh, yesterday at ECU, an athlete testing positive after the Tuesday round of COVID-19 tests. It got me thinking, uh, and there was a News and Observer story today, and I can't believe the NNO uh, pulled this random act of journalism, but uh, they talked about there's no testing right now for people that uh, are in nursing homes, and, and the majority of deaths due to this uh, horrible virus, have come from nursing homes in the state. And there's no testing apparatus. They're testing prisoners, uh, prisoners that they released out on the street. And, and one, in fact, according to a report out of Asheville, killed a seven-year-old girl. But they, they've killed or they've, they've tested prisoners and make sure they release prisoners. But there's no testing for uh, people who are in assisted living 
uh, rehab centers, nursing homes, whatever you want to call them. It's it's quite sad in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, the ECU and these other colleges and universities have a better testing apparatus in place than that of the state government testing seniors. I mean, uh, kudos to East Carolina. And if I didn't say this loudly enough yesterday, I wanted to have a chance to echo it uh, today. It's, again, we were breaking that news when we came on the air Thursday. You know, everybody has planned and expects we're going to have someone or some group of people test positive uh, for for the virus, likely asymptomatic, but will test positive for the virus when they uh, when they go through a, th- this rigorous testing process. It's an expected thing. It's how you handle it, and have you kept the bubble uh, pretty secure, first of all? And secondly, have you kept uh, – do you have that great plan in place like East Carolina does to isolate the individual for 14 days to eliminate any other sort of spread? Uh, you know, we've got athletic departments. We've got other uh, f- other pieces of, you know, other businesses. My, my wife went to the dentist today, and uh, there was a whole set of things she had to do to go get uh, to go get dental treatment. And the, the people at our highest level who proclaim that they have uh, everybody's best interest have no way and have, have basically neglected testing seniors in nursing homes. Uh, the answer is to continue to shut down businesses. It's a, a puzzling and uh, unfortunate thing here in the state of North Carolina. Moving off that, a couple of other uh, news items. Uh, great uh, interview with Paul Shuey yesterday, the former big league reliever. Uh, Paul now a broadcaster of college baseball. It was great to have him on uh, yesterday talking about the return of MLB next month. Paul, interestingly enough, uh, sent me a text last night. Uh, at, right after the interview, he'd gone out and uh, gone out fishing on a lake, I guess, maybe up at Gaston, as he noted, and uh, he'd he'd caught uh, he'd caught a pretty good uh, fish. So uh, we apparently uh, Ben were uh, his good luck charm, and uh, those those pretty pretty remarkable uh, photo that uh, Paul sent us. We enjoyed having him on yesterday. Pretty remarkable uh, stuff there, uh, and in the uh, note of uh, leisure. Uh, We've got a poll question up. It's going to be a whole weekend poll question. You can uh, reply to it on Twitter at 943thegame. Weekend plans. Watch NASCAR. Watch golf. Watch my kids play sports. Start vacation. It uh, is the front end, I guess, of uh, a possible July 4th holiday. It'll be kind of a a wonky two weeks here. Some people will be off this week. In fact, uh, I got a... Uh, a note from a friend just now they're on their way to florida well so safe travels and uh others will uh take a vacation week you know after either way they're going to try to wrap around and get an extra day with july 4th so uh whatever your plans are uh for all of that uh do vote in our poll let us know you're gonna uh, sit around watch some sports this weekend in the form of nascar which has been in the headlines this week uh will you watch uh, golf which has been uh, a sport that a lot of people have kind of picked up and uh, started uh, viewing a little more uh, attentively, let's just say, than they did uh, prior to uh, this uh, COVID-19 shutdown situation. Uh, the other uh, thing, will you be watching your kids play like in a youth sports type of uh, setting? Uh, we mentioned beach volleyball. 
Uh, we mentioned uh, all the baseball leagues that are, are going on with Greenville Little League, but others have just started to kind of fire up. Uh, or are you going to uh, just uh, go ahead and start the uh, aforementioned vacation? Vote in our Twitter poll. It'll be up all weekend. We'll give you the results on the uh, Monday show, uh, which we're looking forward to uh, bringing you uh, beginning of next week. All right. Uh, NBA continues to see a lot of players start to pull out of the situation there. Uh, it, it's health-related or it's family-related. Maverick center Willie Cauley-Stein made the decision uh, to uh, not participate. Uh, he and uh, a, his partner are expecting uh, a newborn next month, so you can certainly understand that. Uh, we'll also see what uh, may happen. Avery Bradley, the Lakers uh, guard, uh, announcing that he is not going to uh, play uh, in the uh, resumed NBA uh, summer bubble. There are a lot of people in the media now pushing for this whole thing to just uh, not go forth. So that's a story worth keeping an eye on as far as uh, think pieces and who they're coming from over the weekend. Another piece of audio we wanted to get to yesterday, but we did not. Uh, this is the uh, caddy for uh, Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson, uh, whose uncle's here in Greenville, his grandmother was in Greenville. Uh, he's got ties to this area, North Carolina native, uh, grew up in Raleigh, lives in Charlotte now, went to Wake Forest. Uh, Webb Simpson deciding not to participate after winning last week at the Travelers he was going to, but apparently someone, I believe in his family, uh, tested positive for COVID-19, uh, so he withdrew from the uh, Travelers event that's going on up in Hartford. This is uh, Webb Simpson's caddy on the Dan Patrick Show talking about that decision. Flew up Monday afternoon. Uh, we were fortunate enough to win uh, last week on the PGA Tour in Hilton Head and uh, came home for half a day and flew up and Tuesday was a very, very normal day. Uh, as the day progressed, you're starting to hear some rumblings of some tests that had maybe come back not the way we had hoped. And the first one we had heard was Cameron Champ, a young 26-year-old on tour, Bomber, um, who had tested positive. Uh, and so he was out of the tournament. And then as, as the day kind of progressed, we're standing on the putting green, and we had heard some other rumors about that there, there was another positive test. And as we're sitting there, Webb gets a phone call and finds out someone in his family had tested positive for COVID-19. And so, you know, there we are on the putting green. Obviously, we had a lot of people around. Immediately, we start going into a different mode as far as Weber and I trying to decide, okay, what do I need to do instantly right now to while we decide? So we, we left the putting green. We went and contacted the PGA Tour and started to have discussions with them What's the protocol at this point going forward? Obviously, Webb had been exposed because he's been with his daughter during this, this significant amount of time, um, and it's impossible to know. Webb took a test Tuesday and Wednesday morning, negative on both of them, but he just felt like to, to protect the tournament and to make sure more than anything, Webb's fifth in the world right now is leading the FedEx Cup, and the last thing you want, I think, is kind of one of those names taking, even though it's a small chance, taking a chance of uh, infecting anybody else. So he made the decision to withdraw. Paul Tessasori on the Dan Patrick Show. He's the caddy of Webb Simpson on uh, why Simpson decided to withdraw from the Tra Travelers Championship. That was yesterday. We were going to bring it to you yesterday, but obviously uh, some of the news we had at the forefront with uh, uh, ECU and the athlete testing positive uh, took a uh, a lead story position on uh, our program. Okay, uh, a timeout here. Uh, the legacy of uh, John Swafford. Uh, there is, uh, you know, one I think that's viewed generally well. Uh, to me, there are a few kind of uh, uh, marks against it. 
and uh, some of that is all not so obvious. Uh, Steve Wiseman's pretty uh, hip to the, all of that. He's he's uh, covered ACC sports in the league for quite a while. We'll talk to uh, Steve Wiseman from the News and Observer about all of that coming up straight ahead on the Patrick Johnson Show, the Get You to the Weekend Feel Good Edition. Stay tuned for more of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Pitt County's home for sports. The Patrick Johnson Show. He's the perfect stud muffin. He's a menace to society. Every weekday at 5 on 94.3 The Game. for many years covering the ACC and uh, he's now with the uh, NNO, also Harold Sun. He joins us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. It was announced yesterday that uh, John Swafford will be uh, stepping down, uh, res- uh, retiring from the uh, post as ACC Commissioner Effective uh, next June. Uh, we welcome Steve into the show. Steve, thanks for taking a few minutes with us. I know it's been a, a, a very hectic couple of days for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Big news came out yesterday morning and uh, uh I think we all knew with Swafford being, you know, in his early 70s, it was going to happen sooner rather than later. But, uh, yeah, interesting timing on this. Well, what do you think the John Swafford legacy will wind up being? Well, you know, he essentially saved the ACC. I mean, I think that the way college athletics changed over his tenure, the ACC really could have been left by the wayside. Um you know, there's a lot of ways that the league isn't what it isn't what it was when he took it over in the traditional sense, uh, because there's a lot of schools in it that weren't in it before, and that's part of a different culture. But on the other hand, uh, the league wouldn't have survived without the additions of Syracuse, Boston College, and Miami, uh, all the all the schools that came in, Louisville, Notre Dame. Uh, so uh, to me, it, he saw that that change had to happen for the league to survive and as much as he was a he was a North Carolina native he went to school at Carolina he was AD at Carolina worked at Virginia he's a traditional ACC guy but he didn't let that blind him or get him in the way of, of uh, making sure the league lasted and remained one of the top conferences in the country when I mean let's face it Boston College Pittsburgh you know, Virginia Tech kind of was in the, the quote-unquote footprint in a way. I don't even think the Miami move is, is you know, really wildly out of bounds. But, I mean, with Syracuse uh, and, and, and all of that, you mentioned the culture change. Was that an easy sell for him with the league, or do you think that the presidents of the colleges and the universities and the ADs uh, trusted in Swafford but also had enough foresight themselves to agree with what he was doing? Yeah, they, they did. I mean, you know, if you remember back to 2003, that first expansion under his tenure, when, when BC and Virginia Tech and Miami came in, there was some opposition to it. I mean, Duke and Carolina were against it. Right. So he had to overcome that. And that's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, again, he he appreciated the culture of the league as much or not more than anybody, but he kind of knew, you know, we're going to have to swallow this, swallow our, our castor oil here, <laughs> cod liver oil. And, and and do what's best for us. And, and, and it may mean that we're going to not have a basketball tournament in Greensboro every year. It's going to have to move to different places, you know, nor- northern places or whatever it may be, uh, and have a football championship game and those kind of things that, that the ACC never had before. But he knew that, uh, you know, to save this league, we're going to have to do this. Uh, we've got Steve Wiseman, News Observer, on uh, with us here. Do we count the Maryland departure 
as a, a mark against him? I mean, I know there's other circumstances there uh, with Maryland's financials, but do, do we sort of – is that a fair criticism on the ledger? I think so because, you know, it's a charter member of the league that, you know, uh, a rival league came in and poached, you know, right from the heart of the conference, right? You know, Maryland's right in the middle of it and, and was so deeply entrenched in the ACC that, the conference couldn't do something to save to save that save that marriage. You know, they had to go to yeah. divorce and they had to go somewhere else and move on. So yeah, I mean, as much as you know, and then on the other hand, when uh, they added Louisville to replace Maryland, I think Louisville has been a tough member for this league to accept. Right? I mean, they've had a lot of trouble with yeah NCAA violations and all that. So when you think about those two. The way that worked out, I mean, Louisville was a good addition athletic-wise as far as their teams and Lamar Jackson and all that kind of stuff. But, but as a member, they, they've, they've been a troublesome member. And, and I think, you know, keeping Maryland in and preventing that move from having to happen would have been better for everybody. Steve, is the Notre Dame addition uh, viewed as a coup or incomplete business? It's incomplete business in, in my mind because, you know, we use this term in our, our newsroom like they're – the league's half pregnant with Notre Dame because uh, they're in, but they're not right. <laughs> it's usually, you know, you can't be, you they're all pregnant. Or you're not pregnant. Right. But with, Louis, with Notre Dame, it's, it's a little different because they're not in, in football. They're in everything else. Right. But they're not in football. And they're the only member that, you know, that is that way. And the ACC forever had only been, you know, you're all or nothing. And it's, you know, we're making an exception for Notre Dame. So uh, it's a little troublesome from that point of view. I mean, the only thing that's good is, that it's written in there that if, if Notre Dame's ever going to join a league in football, it's going to be the ACC. So uh, they can't lose them to somebody else. You know, right. somebody else won't get the coup of Notre Dame football. The, only the ACC can do that at this point. So that's a good thing. But until we get there, it's just kind of out there as a possibility. Well, I, I don't want to get off on a, a tangent here about Notre Dame, and but – you know, I'll say this. Notre Dame, I thought, last year had a good team. I, 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 the only game I went to as a fan last year, we had family members. We wanted to go to Duke-Notre Dame. It was an off ECU week, so it worked out. And we went to the game. And, and that was maybe at the time a, a one or two lost Notre Dame team. And mm-hmm. I, I couldn't help. And, and Duke didn't play. You know, you were there, I'm sure. And I just thought to yeah. myself, this is a good football team. And it's a shame they're not in a situation – where they have something still to kind of play for. Because, I mean, it's really national championship or bust uh, at Notre Dame. And, you know, in, in theory, they're a member of the league. They still had, would have quite a lot to play for in the ACC, even if they had a couple losses. Sure. They could have been playing for a conference championship, yeah. which gets you into the, you know, you can win the conference and win, be in, in the playoff that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is, it is odd. And then they're already playing five ACC teams per year. So they're just about there, you know. There's only three more games. <laughs> Again, as you um, said, can, half pregnant. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just an odd thing. But yeah, yeah I mean, and, and look, I mean, that's been good for the ACC, even having them for five games because they sold out Wallace Wade Stadium yeah. that night, yeah, right? I, sure I've did. covered Duke for ten years. They don't sell out Wallace Wade Stadium very often, right. believe me. Yeah. And it was a lot of the visiting team that did it, of course. And that, but that's something that can happen. You know, it wouldn't have happened if Duke would have been playing. You know. Ball State that night or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's great to have Steve Wiseman in and O with us uh, here. John, John Swafford, ACC commissioner, uh, has announced that uh, he'll be uh, retiring uh, June tw- after uh, June 2021. 
Uh, what will the next year be like for Swafford as far as things that maybe he still can't accomplish or set in motion for the years ahead? Yeah, well, you know, the name image likeness thing is all over college sports and um, the ACC, you know, needs to get caught up with some others and, and, and maybe, you know, get up to speed on this, right? And and, and because if you're not going to be a leader on something, you're going to be going to be behind and you want to try to set the tone on that. It's going to completely change college athletics if uh, no matter what happens with it. I mean, there's going to be money available for athletes that weren't wasn't available before. So you want to manage that the right way and, and make it uh, make it work out for everybody. And so that's a tough tough thing. And he can he can play a role in that. And he can do it as somebody that knows he's going to be done in June 2021. And sometimes that makes a difference when you're planning things, right? Sometimes you know uh, it's kind of like a, um, a politician who's who's not running for re-election. Okay, they can do things they wouldn't have done. Right. They're not going to be on ballots. They can do it. So that's one thing. Um, you know, he's got the network going, so that's that's done. You know, maybe he can work on Notre Dame again. <laughs> Back to that subject. Right. Um, before he before he walks out the door, and then if you do that, then you got to add another member, right? You got sixteen. You got an even number. So that's that's something that's on the on the burner too. Uh, and on behalf of ECU, I will ha- happily accept that invitation uh, into the uh, ACC. I'm kidding, Steve. That we we know that'll never happen. I'm kidding. Uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, who is the heir apparent for that league, because uh, in a lot of respects, the ACC is probably in really great shape. In other respects, they do trail some of the other uh, uh, P5, if you will, uh, in certain in certain areas and certain things. Um, I mean, is really the whoever's the commissioner of the ACC now? I mean, couldn't you argue it's whoever is running ESPN? Yeah, I mean the the uh, the, <laughs> the network is is the conference, and the conference is the network. As they say, they're on the office there. We as them, and they as us. Right. So yeah, yeah ESPN <laughs> is a, is a big part of this. They're 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 in business together, and and they're going to rise or fall together. So. That would be important. Um, I think that, you know, there's a list of people that, that comes to mind. Um, Michael Kelly, who's now the AD at South Florida, who previously worked yeah. in the ACC office mm-hmm. and then was uh, with the college football playoff. He's somebody that I think, you know, would be on the radar here. And uh, another guy named Stan Wilcox, who was at Duke for a long time. He worked at Notre Dame with, with Kevin White and then became the AD at Florida State. Uh, for a couple of years, and then now is in the it works at the NCAA in in uh, in Indianapolis. Um, he would be a strong candidate. He was a basketball player at Notre Dame, so there's a lot of ties there uh, with him. And so that's just two of the names that, that I think of. And um, you know, there's other people. I mean, of, of the current ads in the in the league, Dan Radakovich at Clemson has been. He was at Georgia Tech, and then he's at Clemson, so he's been in the league for a while. He's a he's a smart guy. who's well respected. Uh, if, if you're going to go that route, which the league has done before by you know promoting current ads to the commissioner's job, so mm-hmm. that's been the path before. Mm-hmm. And all those people I talked about have strong ties to the league, so if they want to keep it in the family, those are three that would be good candidates. Is there a danger of whoever the hire is losing any more, or having erode any more that thing that made the ACC special when it was the eight? maybe nine team conference that was regionally based. Yeah. If, if a new person comes in, decides, you know, Greensboro can't be in the rotation for the tournament. Right. You know, it's just not, you know, 
cosmopolitan enough for for the league now. It's got to be D.C., New York, right, uh, Charlotte, maybe or something. So that would hurt. That would hurt a lot. And there's also a lot of you know a lot of speculation about will the league office eventually move to Charlotte or move to somebody you know will it move out of the state or move just to Charlotte to be in a more you know again urban area. Right. Big, big well, market. I mean, and, and look, Greensboro's um, not a hub, so. You know, as far no. as the way this conference is, it would make sense to go to somewhere like Charlotte, I suppose. Right, right. So if you get somebody, if they go outside, quote, ACC family, and somebody comes in and really pushes for that, then that, that would erode that culture a little more if that happens. Right. Um, do you think that Clemson having the national level football success has helped? In other words, has that been better for the ACC traditionalists line of thinking uh, about this league still having some fabric than if it were Miami, Pitt, Syria, you know, in other words, somebody who just wasn't in that kind of footprint. If, if they were having yeah, this no, national yeah. level success, the fact that it's Clemson, it does provide a little bit, hey, this is this is one of our, our, our teams. Sure, absolutely it does. I mean, for the longest time, you know, Florida State was the was the breadwinner, right? And they weren't really traditional ACC, if you think back to the original conference. Uh, and then Virginia Tech came in and Miami came in and they were supposed to, to boost it up. And so, again, those are people you had, to, you had to bring in. They weren't originals. And so, yeah, I think that does help. I think that Clemson has always been, they've always had a seat at the table in the ACC going back to the Tetsfield end. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. think that is a good point. Yeah, we, we've talked about, Steve, drastic changes in the ACC. Swafford, I believe, is still at UNC when this happened, but uh, all of this seemed to kind of start with the addition of Florida State in the early 90s. And that was the Gene Corrigan uh, move, I guess, for, for ACC expansion. It was sort of the uh, precursor to uh, expansion. You weren't replacing a member leaving. You were adding a member. And uh, Florida State would just beat the brains in of everybody in uh, in football. But it was, it was some irony in that when Swafford became the uh, commissioner, Florida State and UNC battled. If I remember right, 97 was the year that Carolina had a really good football team. I think they were top 10 that year. Yeah. And they and they played a big showdown game with Florida State in Chapel Hill they and did. lost the game. So, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So big primetime game. And uh, uh, what's old is new again with Mac Brown in Chapel Hill. So there you go. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, Steve, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, we uh, hopefully get a chance to catch up with you down the road. Yeah, I'd be glad to do it. Thanks, Patrick. Nice to have Steve on with us. I'm fascinated to see where the ACC will go with their new commissioner hire. Uh, there's been an increasing uh, movement in years, in recent years. Uh, Terry Holland was probably one of uh, the last coaches turned AD. Uh, that is not as common now as it used to be in college athletics. It's probably more prevalent than I, than I think, but... It just seems that now you have guys who are more administrative. They start their career in administrative roles uh, to become a director of athletics at a, a university. And if they coached, it wasn't it, – it's not a – you know, they weren't the coach of the football team, turned AD, Barry Alvarez type of thing. Uh, it wasn't a coach like Terry Holland who'd had great deals of success at the high level – of the Atlantic Coast Conference and then it had turned to, to be a director of athletics. There are people who kind of start their careers in, you know, athletic departments and, and make their way uh, to, to be athletic directors. 
that's fine. I'm not being critical of that. But when you talk to certain folks, they feel like that what is lost in that sometimes are the decisions are more spreadsheet decisions and less uh, decisions maybe that, you know, a coach would make, which uh, sometimes, at least with older coaches, were more gut instinct type of coaching uh, decisions. Uh, the reason I say that is, you know, a Swafford – there was some athletics history there. There was as an AD. I'm just wondering how much ESPN is going to have a say in who that commissioner is going to be, uh, because that's now a TV business, as Steve alluded to there. The league is the network. The network is the league, and it's now a a production company in a way. So, do you need someone? They'll have someone with sports background. I'm not trying to say they won't, but. Will, will it be someone that the the folks at ESPN have a heavy influence in picking who it'll be? Maybe so. Maybe so. And that's not necessarily a uh, negative thing, uh, but it'll be interesting to see who will be the guy or lady leading the ACC henceforth. And is it going to be a 25-year type of career like uh, John Swafford had? I don't think so. Uh, I think that's a little bit of the... The dying breed. When you look at what the American did with Mike Oresco, it was a really uh, bright and great selection because Oresco had uh, TV programming in his background. And I think that has really helped with where the American is now as far as its uh, most recent television deal, which begins in this upcoming academic year. Uh, Steve Wiseman, News and Observer, Harold Sun, thanks to him. Ben Byram with an update on what's going on right now. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barm here for your 94th of the Game Sports Update. The NBA and the Players Union have announced that 16 out of a total of 302 players have tested positive for the coronavirus in the first wave of mandatory tests. The players who have tested positive will remain in self-isolation until they've been cleared by doctors. Meanwhile, the NBA revealed in their health and safety protocol for their bubble format in Orlando that they would use local, state, and federal law enforcement plus private security to help secure the area. It was also revealed that players can leave the bubble, but they must quarantine for 10 days upon returning. The NHL is taking a different approach to the resumption of their season. The league revealed that they would not be quarantining players before training camps, despite 11 players throughout the league testing positive. The Kentucky Derby also released protocol for their 146 race that includes limited fans in attendance, spectators wearing masks at all times, and the barn areas being restricted to essential personnel only. And tomorrow, NASCAR continues at Pocono Raceway. The current pole position has Denny Hamlin in third, Ryan Blaney in second, and Eric Almirola leading. The current odds has a three-way tie for the best chance to win at Pocono. Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Mark Truex all lead with 5-1 to one odds. Fear night 4 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Barham. The latest in films in Hollywood of Fandango's Nikki Novak after this quick timeout. Instagram, Twitter. Life is on 94.3 The Game's Facebook page for breaking sports news, pictures and videos, programming alerts, and the latest from the ECU Pirates. Here we go. We're back. Back to the P-Man. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. From Fandango joins us here on the phone. Hello, Nikki. Hello. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Always great to catch up with you. Our uh, final visit for a couple of weeks for you. I don't know what I will do with cons- oh, without no. consistent Nikki Novak in my life, but I'll get through <laughs> I it. Think you're you're going to be just fine. You're going to be on vacation. Ah, we, we're we're making that big announcement next week. But yes, we're taking a little oh. a little sabbatical. <laughs> but Nikki's always previewing ahead. That's why we love uh, Nikki I'll Novak. I'll still be here. <laughs> yes, you will be. And I'll tell you. Let me say this: next week, Nikki Novak on the Today Show again. The triumphant I will return. Be here. The <laughs> return to the Today Show next Friday, if you guys want to catch it. Okay. July 3rd, right before your July 4th weekend. You can check me out on uh, Hoda and Jenna. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Will you yeah. be Will you be drinking wine is the question. <laughs> I think they did away with that when Kathy Lee left the show. Oh. I, don't, I haven't seen... I haven't seen Hoda and Jenna, other than I think they toasted when Jenna signed on to the show. Ah. Jenna, but I, I think... Um, but I know I think they're back to coffee. <laughs> uh, so Kathy Lee was the pusher of the wine. I got it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it was her. I don't think it was her. I'm not blaming it on her. Right. I'm just saying, I think what, it, well, she does have her own wine actually. She has oh. a wine company. You know, I think we. I think all of this would be a little better if we maybe had a Tati during the uh, happy hour. Bro- this is a happy maybe hour maybe broadcast. Needed, maybe we need to start right. continuing carry the torch. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, when a new show starts, they have a new vibe. So they just did. I'm not saying that Kathy Lee was right. the pusher, but you know she does have a wine. You know, I got it. Um, I understand. Yeah. yeah, I think you ought to just show up with a box wine and and just uh, let let whatever happens <laughs> happens. That's what I think you ought to do. Uh, all yeah. right. Uh, well, okay. Before we get going, Fandango's Nikki Novak here. Fandango has uh, something on their app and website about theaters yeah. reopening. So can you tell us a yeah. little bit about that? We launched our theater reopening program this week, and depending on where you are, look, it all depends on state and regional laws and theater reopenings, but basically we're making it easier for you to find out that information. So if you go to either our Fandango.com, our website, or to the Fandango app, we have a comprehensive guide where you can type in your area code, you can find out which theaters are opening, um, which, you know, as, as... the theaters start to reopen and things start to roll out again. They'll have safety guidelines, kind of the capacity of each one. You'll be able to choose your seats ahead of time and see the maps and, you know, choose which see how far away you'll be from other people and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. But they'll have basically, you know, all the information you need as well as the safety guidelines, like I said, um, just to make it easier for people to decide if they want to go back to the movies. Gotcha. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, Fandango's app or uh, the website, you can check it out there. All right. Yeah. Let's get into the movies. Uh, there are some new ones this week. Uh, a movie yeah. uh, that is uh, called Eurovision. Tell us what it's about. Eurovision. These are all, just so you know, these are all at-home movies. None of these are theater ah. releases. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, but these are all still streaming at home. So, yeah, this one's called Eurovision. If you have a Netflix, you might want to check this one out. It's, I think the actual title of it is Eurovision, the Story of Fire Saga. Now, if that sounds, you're like, that could be either really dramatic or really goofy, but it's actually a Will Ferrell over-the-top absurdist comedy. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Eurovision, but I had never heard of it until this movie. But basically, every year in Europe, every country competes in a song contest 
and it's a little campy, but they have to write their own music. Mm. But it's like a big thing where like the winning country, it's almost like, like I say, American Idol meets the Olympics. Mm. So Will Ferrell apparently saw the Eurovision contest when he was in Europe 20 years ago and had this idea broiling in his mind for 20 years that this would be a great movie. So Rachel McAdams and he play these Icelandic singers and he's, she's good, but he, and she doesn't actually sing in the movie. It's a voiceover of a, a famous uh, European singer. Mm-hmm. But Will sings in the movie, and they play this, you know, it's over the top. They wear these Icelandic costumes and like, hijinks ensues. And it's just one of those, you know, look, it ain't going to be nominated for the Oscars. <laughs> 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 but... This is what Netflix does so well. They do these, you know, like the David Spade one a few weeks ago. It's just fun, easygoing, popcorn, summer movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's Eurovision Song Contest, the story of it's Fire Saga. Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga. But if you just, I think they they might have officially shortened it at this okay. point. All right. Eurovision. Right. But if gotcha. you look up Eurovision, you'll find it. Yeah. 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 All right. Gotcha. Nikki Novak, Frandango. Uh, Irresistible is a uh, movie that is a satire of politics. It is. John Stewart wrote and directed this. It's a political satire. We all know John, well, I'm assuming we all know John Stewart, but if you know John Stewart, you know he's he's got a biting, you know, sarcasm and wit. He's a really smart man. So this one stars Steve Carell, another great comedic actor, and Rose Byrne, a great comedic actress. And basically, um, they're both strategists, and Steve gets called to this little town in rural Wisconsin to try to help get this former um, this former um, Navy major elected in this small town because he's very earnest. And it really just goes behind the scenes of these two political strategists from either camp going toe to toe. If you can't get enough of politics, here you go. <laughs> watch this one but it really you know what it really does is it gives you an insight into how things get financed and he really has you know he's always has things to say within the story so it's it's pretty entertaining uh and then uh dave batista of uh former wwe fame has a uh, and and gardens guardians of the galaxy fame has uh, yes. a new a new comedy out yeah this one's a Exclusively, I believe, on Amazon. It's an Amazon original movie. It's called My Spy. And I don't know about you, but I love Dave Batista. I just love the guy. I think he's so great. He's my favorite guardian in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow, okay. I love, I love his character. I just love how he just deadpans all these one-liners. But I just think he's great. And so he paired up with this young actress named Chloe Coleman. And he basically plays this CIA operative who's you know, sent on this mission to survey this house. And there's a little girl there that kind of calls him out and sort of sees, you know, spies on him and makes him teach her how to be a CIA operative. So, you know, it's like the big tough guy with the smart young girl. And it's, it's like they pair up. It's almost, you know, it's like bad boys for life, except it's right. <laughs> and this little girl. So um, another one that's sort of like an absurd, it's like action comedy fun Summer popcorn movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, in development now, I'm just reading this here. Uh, he'll be back at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. It appears so. Mm-hmm. That'll mm-hmm. be fantastic. Yep. No, he's he's wonderful in the Guardian of the Galaxy. Those are Google Jurassic 
during my review. I, uh, well, I look up things sometimes <laughs> because uh, that's called research in the business, as you know, uh, no, Nikki. So. Captivated by his career after I talked about him, that you had to Google it right away. <laughs> well, I'll say this: the gar- of of that sort of genre of films, and yeah. I-, I love the Guardian of the Galaxy stuff. I just thought it was it was fabulous. It just was so fabulous. Yeah, it really was great. Okay, so now fabulous. if you have kids, and maybe yep. you don't want to, you know, have them watch the Dave Bautista movie, or or there is something that Disney, I guess Disney Plus is putting out that will get everybody Disney very excited. Plus. Or actually, if you've seen Frozen a hundred thousand times, ah. you're, you know, they have now Into the Unknown making a Frozen two, and it's releasing. It's a ten part series releasing on June twenty sixth. So oh, that's uh, yeah. So there's lots to digest there. It's on Disney Plus on their streaming service, and um, and I haven't actually been had a chance to see it yet. Um, they didn't they didn't let us screen it ahead of time, but it's gotcha. really great i mean some great the stuff that i have seen i've seen little clips looks really interesting and fun and i think it's one of those again if kids can't get enough of frozen they can watch that and then the adults will probably find it really interesting too how they made the movie so um so So, let me ask you this nikki and i'm not familiar with the disney plus um because we don't have we don't have kids so the question is Listen, I don't have kids, and I have it. Well, I know, but you're Nikki Novak. Let me ask you this. When when you get, uh, subscribe to this Disney Plus, you mentioned it's a 10-part mm-hmm. series. Are they putting it out episodically, uh, or can you do like a Netflix and binge it? I believe they're putting them all out. I okay. believe you can see them all at once. I think that's, all right. that's what they're doing. So you yeah. could entertain your children for hours on end. That's what Nikki is telling everybody right now. <laughs> yeah. Turn it on. Put the kids in front of it. And, and uh, go have your <laughs> bottle of, uh, of Kathy Lee wine. All right. Uh, so we'll be out for a couple of weeks. Uh, anything yeah. over the next couple of weeks that folks should be on the lookout for? Well, speaking of Disney Plus, <laughs> you just set me up for that one. Uh, that's it right um, there. This yeah. might be a really good to get it. Hamilton, I don't know if you ever saw the show Hamilton. It ever came near you. If you went to New York City and saw it, if you were ever interested in this hip hop, Pulitzer Prize winning sensation Broadway smash Hamilton that won all the Tonys mm-hmm. starring Lin-Manuel Miranda. Well, back in 2000, you know, I don't know if you get this where you are. I know I get this in LA and New York mm-hmm. where people are like, do you see Hamilton? Have you seen it with the original cast? It's like bragging rights yeah. to say you've seen it with the original cast. Sure. So Lin-Manuel Miranda has leveled the playing field because what they did was the last week of production in 2016, before the original cast departed, mm-hmm. they filmed the play ah. on the stage, but they made it look like a movie. Actually, I just got killed talking about it because I just saw, they just released a trailer for it a couple of days ago. And I'm like, how is this going to look? Is it just going to look like a stage production? I, I've never seen anything filmed like this before where you feel like you're in the theater watching it, but you also feel like you're watching a movie. It's kind of crazy, but that's releasing on Disney+. Plus. In time for Fourth of July weekend, because it's the story of Alexander Hamilton. So it's going to be on Disney Plus starting on July third. So that that's going to be a big one next weekend. July third, plan it out now. Yeah. Nikki Novak in the morning on the Today Show. Hamilton will be released later <laughs> in the day on Disney Plus. We've got July third planned out for everybody. It is the only time I'll ever be put in a promotional same sentence as Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> Quite possibly, yes. Quite possibly, but but still. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, so that's that's going to be really great. I mean, if if you have seen it, it's a whole new way of seeing it. If you didn't see it with the original cast, well, you will. But yeah, Lynn sort of joked, look, now everybody can say they saw the original cast on Broadway. So there you go. No more bragging rights. All right, we're going to take a break because when we come back, uh, we'll wrap things up. But Nikki, in the meantime, is going to give me her Disney Plus uh, username and password so I can watch this on the third. Uh, we will be back, and we always thank Nikki Novak from Fandango. Nikki, we'll talk to you a little bit down the road. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Wake up with Clay Travis. Get home with the P-Man on Pitt County's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. Patrick Johnson. For a guy who thinks he's cool, you're sure no fun. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. I can't thank you enough for uh, being with us here today and being with us uh, here this week and all during these uh, crazy times, uh, the exposure of the show uh, continues to be uh, really fantastic. And, uh, of course, we do quite well live here on radio, but with our, our podcasts, uh, a, a whole new audience is starting to uh, reach us. So we really, really uh, appreciate uh, that very much. Uh, you can check us out, uh, the podcast most easily available uh, at 943thegame.com. Uh, it's posted every evening, so you can check it out uh, and also check out past editions, plus wherever you uh, might regularly consume a podcast. Thanks to Steve Wiseman and Nikki Novak, also to Ben Byram. Uh, shout out to my buddy Scott Inez. Uh, the radio game uh, moved his uh, sports show uh, on, and uh, Scotty's still working down there in Florida, uh, but uh, just not on the uh, ESPN station any longer. But uh, that was a ratings juggernaut down there. Scotty did some great work over the last several years. Uh, big shout out to him. A great friend, a great mentor in the business. Hope you have a uh, tremendous weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>